Welcome back to Bible Love. We are in for a treat. We have our first return guest, the Honorary Episcopalian. We'll meet him again in a minute. But first, we're going to start with a prayer, and we'll talk more about this prayer, this blessing, in a little bit. But let us pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. We are picking up with numbers. This is one of those books that I probably haven't read front to, to back ever. Um, and so with this, we're going to have an introduction today and then we'll start working our way through. But one thing we're starting this time and we'll do it with each book of the Bible is we're going to have a reading plan. Um, so hopefully Mary Balfour and I can keep up. I'm not always great with reading plans. But for listeners, if y'all want to join us, if you um, look in the show notes, there will be a link to a reading plan on the, the YouVersion Bible app. You can download on your smartphone. That's how I read uh, scripture most often is on my phone. So it'll pop up. You can get notifications every day with what to read. And it's just a, a good way to remind us uh, where we are in scripture and to help keep us on track as we read through numbers together this summer. So Mary Balfour, you want to let us know who's joining yeah, us today? So it is, it is a first here at the Bible Love recording studios <laughs> in Greenwood and Columbia. We are having a guest on for the second time and one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people, Dr. Tony Hopkins, who is the pastor at First Baptist here in Greenwood and is my dear friend and is becoming Alan's dear friend and um, knows so much. And every time I'm with him, I learn more. And I just couldn't think of Alan and I couldn't think of a better person to um, give us the overview of numbers. Um, fortunately, Tony wrote a lot of notes down and so grateful and Alan says he's going to put that in the show notes as well so people can um, look at that I'm like Alan I've never read numbers fully um, I've really been trying but I'm looking forward to learning at the feet of my friend Tony Hopkins so Tony tell us about, about numbers, numbers. Well, let, let me say thank you so much I am truly honored to be your first return guest um, I, I was I was impressed with your bravery and your faith to have a renegade Baptist on your podcast to begin with, um, but to be invited back is truly an honor, and I'm I'm grateful for that. I appreciated uh, Alan's prayer at the beginning. Um, maybe that's a reminder to you listeners. I, I think when someone mentions the Book of Numbers, most of us immediately think, I, I don't know anything about that. But I bet when Alan offered uh, the blessing that he gave as the prayer to begin us, that had a ring of familiarity about it to you. That is from the book of Numbers. Um, I think many of us remember from Sunday school as children, the pictures of the people carrying those big, huge bunches of grapes. That is from the book of Numbers when the spies go in to spy out the promised land and they say, 
Uh, there were giants in the land, and beside them, we seemed to ourselves as grasshoppers. Uh, the famous story of the talking donkey, that is from the book of Numbers. So, listeners, I'm going to guess that you probably know a little bit more about numbers than you thought you did, but I certainly am happy to give us something of an overview. The book of Numbers um, the name that we use in English comes from the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. In the Hebrew Bible, the book is called In the Wilderness, which is in the first verse of the text, and that's really where the story takes place. The book of Numbers literally picks up the journey that was begun in Exodus. In Exodus, we traveled from Egypt to Mount Sinai. In the book of Numbers, we're going to travel from Mount Sinai to the plains of Moab, where we will be just across the Jordan River from the Promised Land and uh, from Jericho. Uh, literally, uh, the book of Exodus is almost entirely narrative, storytelling. Leviticus, as we know from listening to Alan and, and Mary Balfour talk about it, is almost entirely prescription, legal code, instructions. Numbers is almost exactly half and half. There's there's storytelling as the people move, but there is also these censuses, these lists of people in chapter one and chapter 26, uh, instruction, legal code still. So what we learn is the people are continuing their journey to the promised land. And as they do so, their lives continue to center on the, the law of God. So that's the, the, the most succinct way I know to summarize the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers is about land, law, and God. We're on a journey to the promised land. So not only does that finish the journey that we started in Exodus, but it actually harkens back to the book of Genesis. When God makes covenant with Abraham, he promises Abraham two things a land and descendants to fill the land. So the book of Numbers is about those descendants journeying toward that land. As they do so, number two, the law continues to be important. The law continues to be the way they live their lives. And I loved what Alan and Mary Balfour did with uh, Leviticus, summarizing Leviticus as being about giving your best self to God. Well, that's still true in numbers. The people are giving their best selves to God by obeying the law. And the law could really be divided up into two things. Always reverence God and then in your daily life, live up to God's moral code. So we're traveling toward the land. We're living by the law. And both of those things are grounded in Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews. Um, it, in every book of the Pentateuch, the first five books that we're in right now, and ultimately in every book of the Bible, the main character is God. Uh, God is the creator. God is the one who has given the law that the people live by. But in Numbers, what, what we're going to see time and again is the writer contrasting the unfaithfulness of the people with the faithfulness of God. Uh, the people, as, as we saw in Exodus and Leviticus, the people grumbled, 
they complained. Why did we leave Egypt? We would have been better off if we had just stayed there. Uh, but in contrast to all of their their unfaithfulness, God continues to be faithful. God continues to guide them with the cloud by day and the fire by night, which we've seen before. God continues to provide for them. In the book of Numbers, it is with manna, as we saw in Exodus, but also after one of the people's outbursts, quail, uh, and then water. The Another story you listeners may know is in the Bible, but not know exactly where it is, 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 is water coming from the rock at Meribah. That's another story from the book of Numbers. So God is guiding them. God is providing for them. And God is continuing to take them on their journey toward the promised land and toward the fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham. Uh, and then the only other thing I'll add kind of to the introduction is if God is the central character, the central human character is God's chosen servant, Moses. There's a lot in the book of Numbers about um, Moses' authority and knowing that Moses is not going to live forever, it is in the book of Numbers that that authority begins to be shared uh, with the 70 elders, with Joshua. And that's important for uh, what's going to come next in the Pentateuch. But Moses is the most important uh, human character and uh, not surprisingly, then the most important place location in the book of Numbers is the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is the place where Moses brings to God the people's concerns and very often complaints. Uh, and it is also the place where Moses receives from God the word which Moses then takes back to the people. So I think that's a pretty good overview, Alan and Mary Balfour. What would you like to add to that? Um, there was several things that popped into my head. Um, first of all, I love how you kind of took us from what we learned in Exodus, what we learned in Leviticus, and now what we're going to learn in Numbers, and sort of that Numbers is a mixture of both of those. Um, and I think that's really helpful for people to understand when reading it in a, lit in, in a literary way. Also, I started thinking about, um, you know, me, I always think about how does the Bible relate to my life. Um, I'm going to um, really push Alan to post his sermon from last week in the show notes because he talks a lot about reading through numbers in the sermon he preached and how there's a lot of um, grumbling in our unfaithfulness, but how God always shows up. And I, I see that in my own life. I see that in my parishioner's life. Like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And it's somewhat comforting to me that to know that the people of numbers were feeling the same way in a very different type of, you know, trying to walk through the desert and the wilderness, I understand, but um, I get comfort in that, to know that I'm not the only person, that there are people in the Bible that have experienced these same things, maybe just in a different way. So those are the first two things that kind of popped into my head. Alan, what about you? Yeah, for me, it's... First off is this is a continuing story, right? Like Numbers isn't a discrete book. It's one of the books of the Bible. And, and too often I think 
the Bible's like a library and I go check out which book I want and it doesn't matter. Like, no, it's like a series, right? I mean, it is a book that contains smaller books. And so you do need to know, I think, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus to have the background for numbers. But even that, like Mary Balfour said, um, this past Sunday in um, the Revised Common Lectionary, Tony, I don't know if y'all use the lectionary or not, but it was John 3, 5 through 17, I think, right? And everyone knows John three sixteen. But leading up to that, there's this whole bit where Nicodemus goes to Jesus and, you know, they have this conversation. And the thing Jesus says is, as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted. I'd heard that verse from John a lot. And never until I was preparing my sermon for this past week did I think, oh, I'm going to go figure out what it was. That's from Numbers. And there were these people that they were hungry and they were probably hot and they were tired. And they thought, why did we come out here with this guy? Life was so much better back when we were in captive. Um, and so God reacted and sent poisonous snakes into the camp and there's this whole deal and obviously poisonous snakes make them have a change of heart and so Moses and God talk and God says lift up this serpent and if anyone's bitten they can look at this snake and be healed and it became a whole thing they put that serpent in the temple and all that and so you almost can't understand John 3.16 without understanding numbers. Right? Like we want to say John 3.16, for God so loved the world, is the gospel. Right? But but there's some stuff leading up to that, including poisonous snakes and God sending these. And you we have to read numbers in order to understand the gospel. And I think that's um I don't want to speak for Alan, but something I'd never really thought about before, you know, um, I did the connections that are there. I mean, the lectionary is set for us in a, in, for us to experience that. Um, but I think we just get so focused on the gospel and Jesus and, and all of that. And, and to, re- which is why we're here. I mean, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I am, a, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm appreciating the books of the old Testament understanding numbers so much more Leviticus what we've been through already and really how we need all those to be in the deepest relationship with Jesus Christ that we can and two years ago I had the marvelous experience of going to Mount Nebo in Jordan I had been to Israel before but this was the first first time I'd gotten to go into Jordan and so I stood on the mountain that Moses stands on at the end of the book of Numbers and looked out over the promised land. Uh, but as you walk up the path, they have made a, a huge replica of the bronze serpent uh, that, that Moses lifted up. And that, as Alan said, becomes the setup for the most famous verse in the New okay, Testament, so John 3.16. Okay, me to go record a Bible love podcast with Tony Allen and I'll go. We'll go. <laughs> we you can show us everything. We'll just sit at your feet and we will record the Bible love and we will record no, I'm, the Bible. I'm, yeah, a Bible love pilgrimage. That I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I, I, I want to, and I want Tony to be our leader. I, I, I'd love to do that. And as we're talking about pilgrimage, which number one, I think it's a great idea, actually. Um, but I remember when I went to the Holy Land, I went to the Israel Museum. If you've been to the Holy Land, maybe you've been there. It's beautiful. And, and you go through and 
and there's this one room, at least when I was there, it was scripture, different pieces of scripture that had been discovered, manuscripts and all that. The oldest intact piece of scripture that has been unearthed is this silver scroll. And what it is, is the priestly blessing from Numbers. 7,000 years old or something crazy like that. And they found it. And what it is, is the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And so to pilgrimage, right, takes us back to to that scripture that we have. And the first one we have is right here in Numbers. I think this blessing, this benediction means so much to us. I mean, to me, I think about like the Lord make his face to shine upon you. There's something like just truly happy about that and truly joyful about that. Um, and then the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, that, that, that peace, that feel. I mean, why is this popular? I don't know. It is for me. I want to do it every week. I'm, I'm always like, can I do that one? Um, what do y'all think? Um, my, my my response to that, Mary Balfour, is the this blessing that Alan read to begin us today um, contains the seeds of what will blossom under the teaching of Jesus. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, the primary characteristics of God are sovereignty and holiness, power and righteousness. Um, and Jesus comes along and says, yes, God is powerful and God is holy. But more than that, God is loving. God is gracious. And so this text, there's one other text in Numbers when uh, Moses is appealing to God on behalf of the people. The people have been complaining <laughs> and God is mad. And 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 Moses says to God, uh, God you know that you're gracious, that you abound in steadfast love, that you're slow to anger. Show that to these people. And so we have these little glimpses in the Hebrew Bible uh, of what what Jesus will come along. So so Jesus comes along and takes what is a minor theme in his Bible and makes it the major theme of our and, Bible. And go, go back to um, or, or talk to us a little bit about that God in the Old Testament. We talked about this a little bit before and we were just talking about it then. You know, we do get that question a lot, right? As ministers, how how do we deal with this God? You know, it's the same God. <laughs> Rabbi Kushner in his book, uh, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, says in the Judeo-Christian tradition, every meaningful conversation sooner or later comes around to the problem of evil. And I think that's right. And the reason that uh, numbers like Leviticus and like Exodus uh, are difficult for us is we see a, a picture of God that seems much more angry than we think of God because we're so influenced by the teaching of Jesus. So I think it's really helpful for us to realize that the Old Testament in general, the book of Numbers in this case, is a window into the development of the faith and theology of the Hebrew people. So it's almost a snapshot. We get a moment in time. Where are the people as they are growing in their understanding of God? And so, for example, 
In chapter 15, a man will pick up sticks on the Sabbath and they stone him to death, which seems unthinkable to us. But what is most unsettling to me about that or was at a certain time in my life is the text says God told Moses, say to the congregation, take this man outside the camp and stone him. And so I think, oh, my goodness, that's not how I understand God. Well, as I've grown to understand that this is a moment in the development of the faith of the Hebrews, it's just where they were. It tells us how important the law was to them, that they would go to this extreme to enforce the law. And I think they thought of obedience to the law as a way of pleasing God. And so um, it was psychologically plausible, if not psychologically necessary for them to interpret their stoning of this man as divine will. Otherwise, how do I live with myself? So I think we can say, all right, that's where they were in their faith, but that's not where we are in our faith. Similarly, um, you know, theologically in the Old Testament, righteousness and sovereignty, those are the defining characteristics of God. Their anthropology was people are sinful, and I think they got that right. <laughs> uh, like you said, Mary Balfour, in the book of Numbers, these people whine and complain just like we whine and complain. And then the other thing in terms of their worldview, the Hebrews had not yet developed what we might call uh, an understanding of an element of randomness in the universe. Um, they're going to get to that. Ecclesiastes. Everything is vanity. Job, Job says, no, it's not just the good people who prosper and the bad people who suffer. So they're going to figure that out, but they haven't yet. So given their worldview, who God is, who people are, not they don't believe in bad luck. So when the plague comes upon the people, when the snakes come into the camp, they don't have the capacity to say it's unfortunate so they say what they said about everything. This is God. And they rightly said, boy, we don't want this to happen again. So we need to figure out what we did. And so in one case, they attribute this disaster to their own complaining. And there was some truth to that. In another case, they attribute the uh, disaster to the fact that some of them have married non-Hebrews. And the book of Numbers is the first place in the Old Testament where we begin to see the, what's going to become a very mixed bag about that issue in the Bible. Um, at its worst, marrying outside the faith is an opportunity for idolatry. And yet in Numbers, Moses has a Cushite wife. He has a Midianite wife. David's going to have all kinds of wives. And if it's not for a Moabite named Ruth, King David is never born. And arguably, Jesus is not at least the same Jesus. So, so that's kind of a mixed bag. But to come back to your question, Mary Balfour, you know, when these things happened, the people naturally attribute it to God. They're not going to blame God. So they blame themselves or someone else in their group. And again, on this side of Jesus, we have a different understanding of causation. And more importantly, we have a, di a different understanding of who God is. And so I said to Alan and Mary Balfour before the, the, the podcast began, aren't we lucky to live on this side of Jesus?
Um, so I think we can read those texts, understand that the Hebrews are at a moment in their in, in their development in terms of faith and theology, but they grew beyond that. And certainly, yeah, I mean, that's going to be my question. We're not question, but like thought of the week is just reminding myself how fortunate I am to live on the side of Jesus. I think those are beautiful words and um, something that we forget. But I also am hearing like so much repentance in 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 numbers, and um, I think that's something to think about too of how the people are, are, are trying to repent and say, you know, we messed up. We need to understand this and um, what can we do to make this better? Um, so I look forward to kind of exploring that a little bit more as we travel through numbers. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, I've, yeah, that thought of how fortunate we are to live on this side of Jesus. I love it. It's, and it's true. But what, not but, but and, what reading through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers has taught me is we are culpable, right? We are fallen. And yes, um, Jesus Christ died for us, but our continued brokenness continues to damage the world. And we have to take responsibility like they did back then. There are things that that will only be fixed by God working through us, right? God's not going to snap his God's fingers and make it all better. God is continuing to use us for the repair and repentance of the world. And so what are those ways in which God is calling us and to do it? Not that we do it of our own power and not that we can earn anything or fix anything on our own, but, but God is using us to help repair that. So true. Tony, any parting words for numbers? Well, I, I don't know about parting words for numbers, but I, my, I'm going to be thinking this week about journeys. Um, I have been teaching in a Bible study here at my church, Jesus Journey to Jerusalem. And I have been saying to them, you know, Jesus has a destination. There's a place that he's going to arrive. But in the meantime, he is living life. He is teaching. He is preaching. He is healing. He is helping those around him. And now all of a sudden, y'all ask me to do numbers. And once again, here are some people on a journey. They have a destination. But in the meantime, you got to live life. You got to figure out who God is and what does it mean for me to live into um God's law, God's love, God's calling for my life. So um, avoid being so focused on the journey that I miss life today, but also don't fall into the trap of being so absorbed with life today that I forget I'm on a journey. Tony, we just love you on the Bible Love Podcast. Um, you will be back soon, I know. Um, we can we can't, we can't get enough of you, and I know our listeners can't get enough of you. Um, we got a lot of stuff we'll put in the show notes, um, so if you missed anything, we'll get that. Um, Alan and I are going to be on our own next week for the first time in a few weeks. Hopefully, we can handle it, um, but we do our best, and we'll keep doing that. So we want to part um, this day with um, blessing we started with, and I'll, I will add a little to it. How about that? May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord 
turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you. Remain with you always.